0: Hello friends. Welcome to Mavs Moneyball After Dark. It is Kirk Henderson and Josh Bo coming to you here on Tuesday or no Monday night the 22nd of August. We are in um, just the dead of deadest zones but how are you doing buddy?
1: I'm doing pretty good. It's been a while since we've been able to talk on one of these. That's right. So it That's, feels good to get back in the swing of things.
0: It does and getting in the habit of doing this again will at once <laughs> like it, I I on the one hand like dread it and on the other hand I, I, we were just talking in the pre show, like making me do stuff. Like, I, I, I'm just, I, I feel a little more accomplished. Like, like you fight off the, the, um, uh you know the 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 suck of it all sometimes by being busy um and I am looking forward to Mavs basketball I've sort of reached that point in the counter we don't really have anything that we specifically wanted to talk about but a number of things have kind of happened you know I talked to Ben a little bit about the schedule he and I talked a little bit about the Slovenia uh versus um Serbia game they played Croatia the other day there's like sort of there's, you know, the NBA is just kind of in the point of the calendar where there's, like, ridiculous fights happening. You know, Mark Cuban went and did, like, an hour-long interview with Taylor Rooks where he told a story. I I feel crazy. I, have I just, like, blocked out that Kobe story he told? Is that a new thing or is that an old thing no. that I just get mad about?
1: Yeah, that's – old. an I swear I've heard him tell that story before. Okay. And it wasn't the first time I remember
0: hearing that. I, lo- I love, I love, it's, you know, maybe I just blocked it out of my brain related to that. For anybody that missed it, he basically st- told Taylor Rooks the, a story on a podcast that was, um, he thought that the Mavericks securing Kobe in 2007, yeah, 2007 was a done deal and it was not. Um, and I just, maybe I just really don't remember this because it feels so ridiculous. But, you know, past that, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of like the wait and see. We still got this last roster spot open um where where is your brain recently because you know you've you've kind of uh, been actually using your time off like you should have <laughs> like I should have
1: um yeah i think it's something that's interesting i'm trying to figure out how much of it is cuban talk and how much of it is real but I believe he did an interview with our our friend dalton uh dalton Trigg at Dallasbasketball.com, either or i don't know if it was it was like last week I can't remember when. It was over the weekend. Recent.
0: Yeah, it was, it was over the weekend. Okay, because he, he 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 told me about it, and I I don't think I'm speaking out of school here. He asked Cuban for an interview. Cuban said no. And Dalton sort of was like, "Eh, come on, why not?" And then <laughs> yeah. Cuban went on and made some news by sort of saying that, like, Frank Milikina is going to be the third guard. Which... Yeah,
1: that that's not what I was specifically want to talk about because that kind of just made me like that made me laugh. That's, it's like, it's just yeah. so
0: objectively not true,
1: right? That's just him selling. He's a
0: salesman. Like, yeah. he does that
1: every every summer. It's fine. If it's his team. You know it's whatever. I've, I've kind of gotten over that part of it, but he did indicate that like the summer might be over for them. Um, and they would carry that roster spot into the regular season. And I'm trying to figure out if that's just him trying to set expectations or if that's like legitimately what they're planning to do, because I think a lot of hope left from Mavericks fans in terms of the offseason not being over is that they can get involved in if Donovan, if or when Donovan Mitchell gets traded or if and when Kevin Durant gets traded, the Mavericks can like worm their way into those deals or, you know, the jazz, if once they trade Mitchell, they're obviously going to uh, not be a competitive team anymore. And they've got a handful of veterans that they probably won't have use for, you know, maybe the Mavericks could capitalize on, but part of me is starting to feel like, you know what? I, I think that they are just, I think they're good. And I think something you talked about before you went on vacation. So I mean, you've talked about it multiple times how this season might be them like taking their medicine in terms of their uh, roster building uh, assets. And I wonder, you know, if they really are done for the summer and they're going to carry that roster spot open, I wonder if there's a part of them that is just like, look, we still owe KP. We still owe a pick on the KP trade. We're capped out till 2024. We know Luca with this top six, seven guys can be competitive team. You know, why are we going to trade? You know, if it costs a first rounder to get like Boyan on like why he's not going to like, if he's not going to move the needle, like I wonder if they're just like, we know we've only got one more big trade left in us uh, during this Luca extension. I wonder if they're just like, let's just wait until we know we're going to get an all-star. I wonder if that's the thought process over there.
0: I mean, that would make sense because the further we get away from not signing Goran Dragic, the less sense that makes. Um, <laughs> because number one, Dragic looks amazing, even though let's be realistic. I, I told somebody, who did I say this to? I said, told somebody that like my baseline for him was like 35 to 50 games maybe. And I know that, that like, if the Mavericks want to get somebody, they probably want to get like a real potential guy. That's going to like get minutes and, and, you know, Drogic gets hurt a lot. That's a fact. He's 36 and, you know, he's, he's not getting younger. It, it is what it is. But if you assume that like, okay, they didn't want that deal for whatever reason, you know, whether they didn't think he was good enough, which I just can't bring myself to believe whether they had a different role for him, you know, which I think might be true, but also weird going in with that flexibility and basically hoping that something breaks in this like log jam makes sense i hate it let's be clear <laughs> but it, i i get the logic behind it because you never know what's going to happen mark cuban really probably doesn't want to pay anybody else anything because it's like they the mavericks books have been weird for years like do you remember when they signed like gal mechel to a multi-year deal they had all these they had a lot of dead money on not a lot they had a, a number of players on their dead money for like small amounts And I bet he just doesn't want to do that. Like if, if you're already in the luxury tax, who am I to say, well, you should just cut the guy that you're having to pay, you know, a time and a half for whatever the salary, uh, the luxury tax thing is. It's like, if if you don't need it, don't do it. I just, I'm very curious how that plays out once the grind happens. I mean,
1: there's always buyout guys every year. And I feel like they've done this before. like, didn't they? I don't know if they did. Maybe it was because of the they had an extra roster spot from the Rondo trade. But like in 2015, they signed Amari Stoudemire. I feel like there was one year they signed David Lee. I feel like they kind of like having that open spot because they like the you know the buyout market. And I wonder, wonder if that's what they're thinking because uh, you know there is going to be some roster churn whenever all this you know trade mania, trade request stuff eventually gets settled. And if you know you feel like. Even if Kevin Durant doesn't get traded, Mitchell. It feels like that's just an inevit- inevit- inevitability with Mitchell. So, and did
0: you see how many picks? They, Stephen A. Smith said that that the that the Jazz were demanding for him. I did not see that. Six. But it's Danny. <laughs> Well, that means Danny Ainge,
1: man. So Why? I think
0: I think the market might be held for a while. But I mean, I, you're you've got to be right on this because it's just like the team building element of it just doesn't make a ton of sense like there was this odd debate on the t- on the Twitter timeline as there is every point in this year in <laughs> August where it's like somebody like is one of the various Luka Doncic likes like Luka Doncic fan accounts saying that like you know look at the other rosters that were in like the top eight the Mavericks have the worst roster like it was it was a, a, dis- a distilled version of what you and I have been saying for years it's not insulting I, fans who are like oh well so and so is an NBA player it's like sorry man I would take so many of the guys that the Mavericks ran up against over the like six seven eight guys in the Mavericks roster like you just you can't tell me Frank Nilakina is, is a is a good NBA player relative to someone like Cam Johnson I'm not interested in that discussion and I I'm, I'm meandering now because that, that's just what August podcasts do <laughs> but it's it's an element of this roster that they have right now is just it's it's got a narrow path to success and the path is Luka Doncic being otherworldly and right now I'll tell you man I feel really good about that option (laughs) Yeah. yeah and
1: yeah I did see that tweet about like the rosters and it was kind of funny to say that after like this was the best playoff run for the Mavericks role players in the Luka era so far. Uh, so that was kind of funny. Uh, I just thought the timing – like, I got it in 2019, 2020, but, like, they actually – like, they came through. Like, I mean, Luka actually was not – you know, he kind of struggled with his shooting in the last playoffs. I mean, he was obviously – uh, still really, 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 really good. But uh, I just thought that was funny timing. Like, they, <laughs> Last season was actually the season where it felt like they did have like three or four like elite role players because Dinwiddie was playing out of his mind and uh, Bullock and Finney-Smith really, I think, hit another gear in that second half of the season. So that was just kind of funny. but But yeah, I just, I think, you know, they don't have a lot to trade. You know, I think that's, you know, I just don't think they want to give up anything right now for something they would think is a marginal upgrade now that they've kind of reached a step where they feel like, okay, you know, Wood, Dinwiddie, Dorian, Bullock. Like, we've got enough guys, you know, that we feel confident in. And I don't think that was the case in 2019. I don't think that was the case in 2020. Uh, And so maybe they just feel a little bit better about uh, their situation where they don't feel like they have to go all in just yet uh on on a role player um and i mean like you know they're capped out they can't really do anything next summer unless they find a way to do some trades so you know i would love it if they would um you know maybe take on a bad contract and get a a, get a draft pick but that's just i don't know if that will ever be their their (laughs) mo so other than that i i don't know what else they're gonna you know i can kind of see it like yeah it would be sweet if uh next week Donovan Mitchell gets traded in the Mavericks, find a way to get, like, Boyan Baddanovich. But if he costs a first, like, if Donovan Mitchell costs however many firsts, I'm going to assuming the Jazz are going to ask for a first for one of these role players. You know, I've been talking about Jordan Clarkson would be a nice bench guard fit. Like, do you want to trade a first for either of those guys? Like, I actually, at this point, despite the fact that, like, this hasn't been an offseason I'm totally a fan of, like, at that point, I'm just like, you know what? Let's just wait, you know, like, is that going to be the needle mover this season when you can maybe package that pick down the road? And again, I feel like I'm repeating like the plan powder stuff where it's like, well, why would we spend cap space uh, on this guy when we can save it for the superstar? But I feel like with the trade market and first round picks, it's like, it's a little different, like tr- trades and first round picks. Like we know that that can return, like, you know, the Mavericks can't. Force teams to take their cap space, but they can, or force players to take their money. Uh, but if they have enough first round picks, they can force teams to trade their players to them. If that makes uh, yeah. a little sense, so yeah, I kind of I mean, get it, but I also understand like the frustration, like kind of. Well,
0: and things. and so the the argument kind of has to be right now. Okay, you expect you're you're hoping Luca plays seventy games, and yeah. that is a risky endeavor based on how he plays. Um, not the minutes. Like, I think he's going to play a ton of minutes this year. And I think also all of us, me, you, everyone, needs to remember the fact that he's a 23-year-old man. And at one point in time, Dirk Nowitzki played like 42 minutes a game forever. Michael Finley played 40-something minutes a game for six straight years. (laughs) Like, Like, these guys are professional athletes. Luca looks incredible right now. And I mean, like, really, truly, hyperbolically incredible right now. And if you if if Luca plays this many games, seventy games, the Mavs are going to win 46 of them, and then you know you you hope in the other ones you go five hundred, and then all of a sudden you are a fifty two game fifty two win team. I mean, it's it. I hate to be that. You know, I mean, God, I must sound really weird to people who think I I hate the team all the time. Um, shout out Mark Cuban, uh, but it's. I just, I don't know. Right now, with having watching him play in this, in this uh the Euroleague friendlies, I just find myself like really excited. And the thing about it is, and and this is like the flip side of this. Say something really unfortunate happens, then what the Mavericks do is they basically bank on the fact that their top 10 pick that they owe. <laughs> you know, like they end up in the lottery and they figure something out in a draft that looks preposterous. Like, I don't, ex- that's not an expectation. I don't, not saying they should tank, but it's just like with the way this roster is built right now, it's Luka or nothing. And that's right. okay.
1: Yeah. I actually think at this point, I'm less worried about the roster. Cause like you said, you know, even losing Brunson, you know, it's still Luka. They still have like five or six reliable shooters um give or take you know dinwiddie it's you know playoff some playoff struggles aside and some might be a little underselling it you know because basically until like the end of that phoenix series he was he was pretty dreadful but uh we saw what he did in the regular season obviously he's not going to shoot 50 percent from the field and 40 percent from three but i feel like there's a difference they've unlocked him you know i don't know if it's Jason Kidd, God Sham God, him just returning, him in the right role in, in an organization that can win, uh, and you know, playing next to Luca, and I feel pretty decent about him. And there's just a floor where it's like, you know, if it's Luca with another ball handler and a couple shooters and roll man, or or pick and pop guy, like they can only be so bad. Like, I mean, think about how bad the Mavericks were at times in the first half of last season when Luca was out of shape and getting hurt and COVID. I mean, this team has basically had two straight seasons of COVID like wiped. I mean, all of these teams have had COVID wiping out like a month of their season. But the Mavs never really lose a beat. And it's pretty – I just keep thinking like, man, what if they play a full season without any of that BS? Like what if Luka comes into camp in shape? You know, they're obviously the, the likelihood of like a COVID outbreak uh, of the last two seasons isn't really going to happen anymore with the state of things. Um, so like I feel pretty confident that they can – be really consistent from start to finish. I think I'm more worried about just the rest of the conference, to be honest. Like I'm less worried about the Mavs and more like, I feel like there's just all these teams that are just loading up and getting better and better. And not to say that they're better. All of them are better than the Mavs, but it's just, you know, it's just, you know, worrying. And it's like, man, new Orleans put the fear of God into the Pelican, uh, into the Suns before the Mavericks played the Suns, And that was without Zion and (laughs) Memphis is getting better. And like, it's just, it's just tough, uh, it's like an the Western Conference like it's every year it's like an arms race. These teams in the West just keep getting better and better.
0: I, I talked to my Pelicans guy today. The show's gonna go up <laughs> Wednesday morning, and I am leaning towards the Pelicans being better than the Grizzlies. I know that's wild. <laughs> but that's just where my head is because it's like well, they were really, gonna hate you. <laughs> well, when they closed, like this is a little thing, but like after yeah. the trade for CJ McCollum, they closed yeah. on a hell of a win pace. Like yep, they did in, got healthy, mm-hmm. and yeah. then you're adding Zion, who's terrifying. and Let's just say, I don't know, let's not get into the specifics there, but I'll just oh, say, yeah. the like, th- this is the so this brings me back to the schedule and getting off to a good start. Now, you said something, I just tweeted out a pair of photos, and it was Luca after, um, it was like December preseason 2020, so after the bubble when he managed to just let himself go like nobody's business, and then him taking a hook shot over Jokic earlier this week. And w- let's just put it like this. I think people are understandably worried about the volume of basketball Luka Doncic is playing. He's gone from 100-plus games. I guess he won't have played 100-plus games, but the NBA season that he that the Mavericks played was all like a strict 100 games. And then he goes and starts playing these friendlies. Then he goes to Eurobasket, and then he is playing – NBA basketball again I will tell you what guys I if we've been talking for two and a half years about when if Luka Doncic comes into camp in shape I think he's going to look how he did to start the 1920 season the Mavericks started that season 16-5 the Mavericks schedule's a little bit dicey to start the year like they need to play 500 basketball but I just right now, I'm leaning into feeling good about stuff. Which, you know, it's funny. You and I did this last year, too. And then they played 500 basketball, only we hated how they looked.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, we'll see. And, like, you're right about Luca and the way he looks. But, man, I'm just – people can even get mad at me all they want. But Luca, Luca is like a shapeshifter. And I will not believe it until I see him on the court in October. Like I just need to get him to the season because we've seen him go from super in shape to three weeks. And he he looks like, you know, he had Taco Bell. I mean, Tim McMahon
0: said he was playing at the start of last season, north of 260.
1: (laughs) That's why we were going insane when we were like, this is a thing. And people like, oh no, it's, it's all this other stuff. And it's like, come on guys.
0: Like, (laughs) what are we looking at here? Well, it's, it, 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 and that's okay because it was, it was shocking because <laughs> <Yeah, hopefully. laughs> it happened two years in a row. That's yeah. the really specific thing. But like right now I'm just, you know, I, I, I feel okay about stuff. So like, like right. they start, I'm going to where' I'm, I should have had the the schedule pulled up. Was there any, was there any element of the schedule that sort of like jumped out at you? I mean, they play 17 times in November that jumps out at me. That yeah. sucks.
1: Yeah. It seems, I think they're league average and back-to-backs, which is nice um yeah and really you pointed it out I mean the start of their schedule if Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are in Brooklyn and they're playing games uh to start this that season I mean the first four games are, are crazy I, I mean three out three out of four on the road all four against you know KD doesn't get traded presumably all you know title contenders basically or maybe not title play, at least playoff contenders with New Orleans so uh-huh. uh, I'll be curious to see like because, like we both said, I'm not worried about this team February through March, beginning April. Like, how many times they they they've proven the last two seasons that they can reach a gear, uh, you know, and usually that's coincided with Luca hitting 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 his gear. I just want to see the good start, and it's going to be probably the hardest four game stretch they've had in the Luca era to start a season. So they're gonna have they're gonna show us right away how ready they are for the season, not, you know, they can go on four and I, I still wouldn't be like shocked or like, Oh, the team's done because, you know,
0: we've seen two years now this team. I love the, the Phoenix events. opening, opening night game. Yeah. That's fine. Like, then they play them in this, in the weird like rivalry week that the NBA has going on at some point um, in January. Like they, they're really playing up, And, and I mean, the more we, the more I think about it, gosh, I cannot wait. Uh, they broke the suns, I think, in a really like sort of what happened to the Mavericks in two thousand and seven like it's one of those things yes. that that you you need to find a way back from, and I just don't know if they can because I was talking to to Mason Ginsburg, uh one of the the Pelicans guy I know, and I just said like I think that the the Pelicans drained Phoenix uh like kind of spiritually to a degree, they were not ready for that series against uh the Pelicans. And it took a lot for them to beat the Pelicans, and then the Mavericks came in and just after going out 0-2, really delivered a couple of body blows. So I was I was really impressed by that. But I'll tell you the part of the schedule that I love more than anything else, they play Fe- or they play Memphis three times in nine days in March.
1: That'll be fun. I That's know the NBA is trying to push Phoenix uh as like the Mavs new rival, but I think if you talk to a lot of Mavs fans online, it's starting, the Ja, Luca thing, Memphis being in their division, Memphis being a team in the path for the Mavs, you know, to contend. I, I kind of like that. I like, you know, I like the idea of, like, John and Luka. I mean, it sucks in terms of, like, hoping the Mavericks can, can dominate the division, but like, those two guys playing each other every year, like, if they can stay together, stay on healthy, competitive teams, like... You know how much you know. As much as it sucked at the moment when when the Mavericks would lose, like the fact that like Dirk and Tim Duncan basically guaranteed played each other four times a year for their entire careers was like kind of special as an NBA fan. Like yep, they that's how that rivalry really grew. So like I could you know that's where I can see uh, like if we're looking for a rival in the Luca era, I, cool. I like
0: Memphis for that. Oh, and they backloaded it because yeah. one of the beautiful parts about this last season, and I just think this matters with the play-in, is they've made March and April basketball matter. Like we yeah. had a great time covering these games. like It was literally good for you and I because all of a sudden, tons of people who were kind of tuning, you know, let's be honest, there's a huge segment of basketball fans that doesn't care about basketball right now at all. But when the NFL season ends, the calendar flips over, and there they are. And we like, we see it literally in our page views and downloads. And so it's great to have meaningful games for everybody at that point in the year. Like, man, I mean, they play, they play Atlanta, the fourth, the last game. It's there's just, there's some fun stuff in the scheduling. I, I, there was a really cool article by my friend, Katie Heindahl about how they put the schedule together. And it's really incredible. The kind of stuff that they do. I, I, we bitch about the NBA a lot because they do a lot of weird stuff that we don't understand, but I will say I I must I appreciate the way that they're trying stuff in in the Adam Silver era. Like it, you know, the mid-season tournament might not be for everybody, but like these home and home series where you play two like the same team twice in a row, sometimes in the same arena within 72 hours. I love that stuff. It's going to be it's fun.
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm I'm starting, you know, I think when the season ended, we I, at least I, you know, understandably was like, okay, I need a break. And I'm, I think I'm starting to get back into like, I'm ready. Like I'm getting excited. Uh, I know that the off season, you know, again, wasn't what, you know, we or anyone else particularly asked for, but like been enough time, like you said, watching Luca in these uh, international games, like it's fun. Like I'm getting starting to get juiced up again and it's exciting to think about.
0: Which is hilarious, because at this point last off season, you're like, can we just get to the playoffs? This team doesn't have anything interesting to tell me. <laughs> yeah, well, hey, trading, I'm
1: telling you, man, that Kristaps trade was a bolt of energy into my brain. Uh, that's all we've been asking for, you know, roster shakeup, and we finally got it. And fortunately, it shook up maybe a little bit more than we wanted this summer with Brunson going. But uh, it's like new, you know, new guys, like, you know, now yeah. there's Christian Wood, like, I'm. I want to know what that looks like. Like, let's get the season started. Like, last season, I mean, there was some und- unknown with, uh, you know, how would uh, kid and the new coaching staff affect the roster. But at the end of the day, I was just a little like, okay, you know, I've seen these guys play three straight seasons, like, with, with Maxi, Dorian, and and Powell. It's like, these guys have been on the team for, like, six years already. Like, I'm, you know, not anything against them, but, you know, new – when the roster changes and there's new guys in new places, you, it makes things a little bit more interesting.
0: Yep. Well, we got our ti- our countdown timer. We use an app that basically limits us, which is probably <laughs> for the best because we do like our 45-minute podcasts. But, you know, head over to MavsMoneyBall.com. We've not been writing a ton. Our our guy, David Trink, wrote a story which just tickled me to no end. The amazingly headlined, How Christian Wood Can Avoid Being Chris Stapp's Porzingis, uh, which <laughs> if you haven't read, I, I recommend uh, our man Panda Hank did a really fun video back in 2006 uh, when Dirk scored 30 something points to help lead a comeback against the Denver Nuggets, where the final score was 83 to 80. So we're talking different basketball here. Um, and then there's a you know a couple other things here and there. We're going to speed back up eventually, but you know we wrote so much and none of us get paid enough to work as hard as we do. Uh, to where I'm just kind of you know meandering through. I'm going to keep posting these podcasts though because these are. These are fun. Um, we'll have a few more a little later this week, but maybe nothing over the weekend. So I'm not sure. You got anything else before we get out of here? No. Let's let's do it. Let's get out of here. We I'm did here. it. <laughs> all right, Kirk Henderson, Josh Bow, Mavs Moneyball After Dark. Please subscribe. Please tell your friends uh, and let me know if there's anything you want us to talk about. Maybe we'll do a mailbag next week. I don't, we haven't done a mailbag in forever. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So all right, Kirk Henderson, Josh Bow, Mavs <laughs> Moneyball After Dark again. I'm really bad at this. Talk to you guys later. <laughs>